tonight's podcast, we'll be talking about building your arsenal of tools. I'm Zach Metten, and I am a perpetual apprentice. I'm uh, Matt Bergman, and I'm a two-year apprentice going to test for the residential wireman's test in Texas here pretty soon. Now, you know, like some of us, you know, we've purchased our tools, you know, directly from our favorite store, and we bought exactly what we need for the trade. Um, and, you know, we continue to build stuff for our trade, but that's not quite what we're talking about today. Uh, basically, we're talking about just generally speaking, building a healthy tool collection of all types, whether it be automotive tools, stuff for drywall, woodworking, or anything else that helps you do projects around the house, helps you uh, build things, fix things, or create things using your hands. And you know, one thing I could say for myself, you know, over the years, I've collected a pretty decent uh, collection of tools for you know, doing all kinds of things, and. Um, you know, I have all kinds of interesting stories of how I've obtained tools because sometimes, like if I'm doing a project for a friend, we'll go over to Home Depot, get a few things, and then when we're done, he says, well, I'm not going to keep that stuff, and then I end up keeping it. Um, and then even in the trade, sometimes we find stuff in attics and crawl spaces, and we find stuff in um, drop ceilings, and then there's even times when we receive tools as gifts. Sometimes they're novelty, sometimes they're real decent things. Um, and... Um, there's always like an interesting story be behind all the tools that you've obtained because it's like a lot of us, if not most of us, if we were to, if we had to replace everything that we had tomorrow, we couldn't just because of all the different sources and places that they came from and the times that these things were made where they're not even made anymore. Um, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. So um, let's get into it tonight. Now, Rotag, I'm going to ask you a question here. What exactly was your very first tool you know whether you started you know being industrious as a kid or uh, a teenager what, what, what was the first tool you ever had that was like your own so the first tool that i ever owned as a like my own personal tools was a little like craftsman's kit from sears that my mom bought me for like my 15th or 16th birthday uh-huh and it had like a little like 12 ounce hammer in it a couple screwdrivers just, you know, the, the stuff you need for around the housework. That was my very first actual tools that I had that were mine. So, this, so did she give that to you just because, like, you were industrious? Or, or, or was that just something that you really needed because you were already doing stuff around the house? How, how did that come about? It was a little bit of all that. I was always taking stuff apart as a child. And I was always trying to help with whatever was going on around the house. So she's like, you know, it's about time I get you your own, like a couple set of tools, like a screwdriver and a little hammer. So you can actually start learning and helping with what we're doing. Uh, that's, that, that's pretty good. Uh, what about you Z? So a lot of people, um, who are frequent on the discord server know that I am a third generation electrician. So I grew up with tools, but I never really had my own tools. And what I did have was going uh, would be those acetate handled craftsmen f that you'd get from like Sears, but they mm -hmm. were from like the 1920s. That's about what I had, along with a S-wing, like 22 or 16 ounce, you know, smooth face hammer that had the entire rubber grip just turned this awful color and it smelled because it was so old that it just was just falling apart mm -hmm. but the first set of tools that i got was gonna be that rinky dink craftsman set that you'd get from that you get yourself for fixing your bike or whatever at 
Home Depot, Ace Hardware, any of those things, and you get a couple things and some a hillbilly speed wrench or sorry, a uh, <laughs> adjustable wrench. Yes. <laughs> along with uh, a, a hickory handled uh, smooth face hammer, probably like a $4 piece and uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can say for myself that like um, when I was a kid, when I was about five years old, uh, my parents bought me this little blue plastic. I can't remember if it was like a pickup truck or a toy um, tow truck, but basically it had its own little tiny jack and it came up with a big gigantic plastic um, flathead screwdriver. And you can actually take the tires off by unscrewing it. And like it has these inch long, you know, plastic screws. And from that, I kind of, you know, got the feel of like how tools kind of worked. And then as I got older, because I was like that kid used to always take things apart and try to make it work better or just like to open it inside to see, you know, what was in it. And, you know, through that, I used to swipe tools from my dad's toolbox and then he'd get mad at me and he'd find stuff in my room or under my bed. And then, you know, um, after I, you know, got scolded, then went back in the toolbox only for it to happen again. And then like years later, I guess when I was maybe like nine or 10 or 11, um, my parents bought me what was called an erector set. Um, and to give you an idea of what an erector set is, almost like Legos, um, but it's all pieces of metal and plastic and uh, um, um, nuts and bolts. And they give you like a couple of wrenches and a couple of screwdrivers. And what it is, is like you can build and create things just using raw pieces of, uh, of metal and plastic and wood and other things like that. And so that's how I kind of got into like using my hands and building things and basically, you know, creating things using tools. And then as I got older, started riding bikes and everything, I was basically doing my own bicycle repair. And so when I would go, you know, maybe ride my bike two, three, four miles away from the house, um, I always had to keep a screwdriver and maybe a pair of vice grips and, and a wrench, you know, basically clamped. Uh, onto the seat pole just so that if something ever happened while I was out there, I could fix my bike and not have to go find a payphone uh, um, or have to, you know, basically carry my bike home. So, um, and then from that point, I, I would say that was like, you know, how I really uh, acquired my first set of tools before I started actually doing like trade work or even just doing like projects around the house. But, um, you know, along those lines, if we said that like, um, you know, these tools that we've collected over the years and um, tools that kind of like meant, meant a lot to us. Um, what would you say, and either one of you, you know, jump in this, um, what would you say is like probably the most sentimental tool that you've acquired over the years? Uh, my my most like sentimental tool is the first pair of clients my boss gave me when I came into the trades. Uh, uh -huh. It was a used pair of like $30 clients, but like that was my first actual tool that i could get stuff done with because he saw i came in and i had a pair of slip joint pliers and he was like oh no that's not gonna work so he he pulled out his clients gave me his and then an ncv and said here use this 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 is what the ncv does it's a tick test or it takes voltage the clients you're gonna use for everything and then i went out and got a uh, flat blade clients and then I, that's been my everyday tool set since, since that day. Right. Yeah. What about you Z? I would have to say when I first started out in the trade that I had almost everything I would need except, um, a meter and 
a multi-tool. And by multi-tool, I mean my, my father gave me a Fluke 115. That would be the most sentimental tool I have. But that's tied with the original Leatherman Wave, which uh, was his Leatherman Wave. Uh, and ever since then, that'd be what I'd basically need to do anything. Just those two things. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, like, like along those lines, um, it's like if you were to lose any particular tool that would just completely like devastate you, would, would that be the tool that, that, that would just basically hurt you and ruin your day, ruin your week? Oh, hell yeah. What, what, so what about... For me, not so much. If I lost my my boss's clients, like I'm not a sentimental person, so I, I wouldn't be too up in arms about losing it. But I would still be kind of like, "Oh, damn, that sucks." But I would just be like, "Okay, got to move on. I got to keep on moving. Got to get my work done. Can't let this keep me down." Yeah, um, the hot the hot button thing for me would probably be like the ten in one screwdriver. Um, or anything similar to it, because normally, like if I carry something onto the job site, I'm probably carrying just what I need for myself. And a lot of times, if I put the screwdriver down and somebody swipes it from me, or they go borrow it, um, now I just can't do my work anymore because that's kind of what um, was keeping me moving, you know. But um, like so, like along even like along the lines of like you know having stuff you know taken or borrowed or just like stuff that you know you just can't live without sometimes. Um, Let's talk about like, um, like, you know, tools that we've received as gifts, you know, tools that were like, just like completely useless where, you know, somebody says, Hey, I know you're an electrician. I know you're a tradesman, you know, here, look at this hammer, screwdriver, uh, cutter combination. And any of you ever received something like that? So not me personally, but one of my guys on my old company had all of his tools stolen and right around Christmas time. And for Christmas, he was like, hey, I, I, if he asked his family, like, if you want to help me out, just give me Home Depot gift cards, right? Like, that's what I want so I can buy the tools I want and I need. Mm-hmm. So that didn't, that didn't sit very well with his family. He's like, no, we need to buy you a gift. So he gave them a list of tools that he wanted, and they came back with, like, the Walmart brand uh, car wire audio strippers. <laughs> And like all this like stuff that it's like the the thoughts very nice, but I can't actually use any of this. So he had to kind of sit there and just like, yeah, this is great, guys. Um, so they get like a little, it's like had like the little plastic container with all of the little connectors and eye holes and all the little uh, little bits and pieces like that for for putting the car stereo in. Yeah, and also like the auto stripper. So like you know, it has the two things and it separates the wire. But it's like the really cheap version of that, not the yeah. like, actual good auto strippers from like what is it? Weha makes them. Yeah. Uh huh. So like I thought that's pretty like I, I I feel that guy's pain having to do that, <laughs> having to sit there and smile and nod when he knows this is absolutely useless for what he does. Mm-hmm. What about you, Z? What, what did you receive that was like useless? Uh, I was given a master force 11-piece set at one point in time that remains unopened in my uh, pink bin in my office of stuff that, uh, you know, break glass in case of emergency. Like, (laughs) 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 if I, if I need to, if I need to really use something, you know, it's, it's, it's there. Um, It's not useless, but it's just, I have stuff that's better for Mm -hmm. those things that uh i have the proper tools for the job <laughs> right you said you said master force that sounds like a generic brand yeah it's a it's a menards thing um they have um 
their own house brand and like kind of like uh, Home Depot has Husky and um, I forget and uh, Harbor Freight has Pittsburgh like it's their own like house brand they're made yeah. all they're made in the same basic factory and they they're all punched metal mm-hmm. they'll do the job maybe for a day or three um, and then fall apart right yeah so, so so what about tools that like let's say you bought because you thought it'd be a good idea and you just never ever ever used them Oh man! Um, okay, I have a hot, hot, hot pick on this one. Okay. Yep. So every every one of us has one of these items. It is the Klein, like the little yellow handle Klein strippers that go from like sixteen to like six. I bought those when I first started. I used them for a week, and they have sat in the bottom of my pack out to this day. Ah, see, I have I had those same ones. That's what I bought myself on my first day as an apprentice. See, everyone has I, them. I used I used it religiously until I realized that uh, it's not that great. Ah, uh, uh, so, but so, uh, so I mean, go ahead. What, what is the sixteen six you're talking about? Because I've got a pair of commercial electric uh, side cutters that that uh, you know the handle is probably about as big as my hand. So I don't, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing here. So it's the little yellow clines. They're probably what you say, like five inches long, Z. Yeah, they're yeah, they're about that. Yeah, they are just a stripper, and they have a little side cutter that is it, the whole thing is just terrible. They're spring, they're spring operated. Uh, they don't fit in my hand well. They don't strip wire that well. They were the first set of wire strippers I bought because I was like, oh, these can drip from sixteen to six. That's a great range. Well, well, no one told me as an electrician you don't deal with sixteen gauge wire that much. And if you're having to cut six, you just use your knife or you careful with your lineman's pliers. Like I did, I used them for, like I said, about two weeks maybe. And then I found better stuff. Yeah. So like I, the one tool that I, that came to mind when you said that is going to be the, um, I can't, I don't even know what they're called, but my version of useless tools are those slip joint pliers. I bought those thinking that it'd be pretty cool. To not have to carry around a you know a, a speed wrench or an adjustable wrench anymore, so I bought one of those, and it I at that at that point in time I understood why they were called nut rounders. <laughs> that's, that's funny. <laughs> it was just awful. I was cussing and swearing, and uh, it it ruined it ruined uh it ruined. I can't, I was working on a York rooftop unit and, uh-huh. uh, and it just, it absolutely just, it mucked it up and it was just awful. <laughs> wow. Yep. And I'm, I'm reading some of the comments in the chat here and, and, and someone reminded me of like the, uh, screwdriver with the magnetic bits on the inside. Uh, um, I actually got one of those where it's like shaped like a almost like a pistol, and every um, set of bits or every particular uh, type of bit it was almost it almost looked like the barrel of a revolver, and so you could basically swap out uh, of the different revolver bits, and every revolver kind of had revolver cartridge had like maybe uh, eight bits in it, so you kind of had eight bits of flatheads and eight bits of Phillips, and you had eight bits of star point, and you could basically like rearrange them so you could make your own little custom set um but then you know using it in a, in a pistol format you know it never really worked right because i'm always used to using a screwdriver almost like i'm turning a knob on the radio versus like gripping something and and, and um twisting it laterally i've never actually seen anything like that before so i'm having a yes. hard time picturing this yes I'm, go- I'm gonna have to post a picture of it in the chat so you can see yeah i could 
That's what I had. That is exactly what I had. Okay. <laughs> is, is that ratcheting? Yes. It, it is, yes. So, I, I dislike ratcheting anything because I... I subscribe to the fact that my screwdriver is my chisel, my pry bar, my, my everything. <laughs> yep. So if I if it has a multi-bit, if it has a ratcheting mechanism, I will and can break it within minutes in most cases. As you say, that one's held up for about eight years now. It's pretty pretty solid, but I also haven't used it as a uh, chisel. Good. Don't don't use it as a chisel. I can't recommend that. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, it, you know, one thing that kind of, you know, can kind of make your blood boil is like if somebody uses, like, let's say a screwdriver is precious to you as, as a chisel. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was going to say, those heirloom tools stay at home. Yeah, for for all you new guys, man, like, when you when you go and you buy your first, like, set of tools that you make from, like, your first paycheck, you need to make sure that all the tools that you care about, they never leave your garage. Because it's going to be a sad day when, you know, your grandpa's that screwdriver that went through World War II with him or whatever, you know, some, some guy's like, oh, that's a nice screwdriver. It's mine now and walks mm-hmm. away with it. So you need to make sure that, you know, you get stuff as like get new stuff that you can just buy at Home Depot. So if you ever lose it, you can just go back to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, go to your local hardware store. And they got 12 of them in stock. And you're like, oh, well, there's $12. I just wasted, but I have a screwdriver again. <laughs> Yeah, because um, I, I guess it has more sentimental value to the, to you than it does them. So, hey, you know, I'm just trying to get this job done. Hammer, hammer, hammer. Oops, oops I broke the handle. Oh, well. And that I guess that circles back around to have you ever lost one or had one used and abused? Oh, yeah. Not me. I, I, I my family did like very specific uh, mechanical stuff. Like my grandpa was a electrician for airplanes and he did a lot of body work for airplanes so a lot of his tools are aircraft stuff that just don't have a practical purpose in residential stuff that i do so i never really had to lose any i never got the opportunity to take any of his tools and take them to work because they were always hey this one tool is three thousand dollars you're not it's not leaving my toolbox (laughs) yeah and like I've had, I've had, I don't know if I can really call this an heirloom tool, but it's like there's a, lot, a few things that, that belong to my dad and other family members. And um, it's like one time we were working in, in an office building and we were installing, like they have some kind of system that you can use to put cords underneath the carpet in a conference room. It's like a very wide channel that makes the uh, transition, the hump in the rug, you know, very, very unnoticeable. And so with that, we had to basically peel back the carpet to put this device down and then put the carpet back over it. And uh, so I brought the, you know, I brought an heirloom tool. I brought, I brought uh, my, my dad's T-square from home, um, thinking that this is going to be a good device to use to make sure that we can make the lines straight and square when we cut the carpet. And um, the next day, I realized the guys were using it to hammer through the carpet to peel the carpet back. And so, of course, it was all beat up and bent up by the time I got it back. I, I really was not happy about that. Um, but I guess that was a lesson learned in you know heirloom tools on the job site. Yeah, I I haven't made that mistake yet. I the heirloom tools that I have are all really old woodworking mm-hmm. tools. You know, they're my father's father's father. So my great grandpa, you know, steam power that have since been converted to electric uh, motors. 
Mm-hmm. So those those stay in the garage, and mm-hmm. uh, they're big and heavy and cast iron, and I'm 135 pounds soaking wet, so I can't move those. <laughs> yeah. But what, what, right. But what would you all say, you know, uh, um, or what, what have you received as like a donation or as, I guess, kind of like a hand-me-down, but it wasn't necessarily an heirloom type of thing, so you can feel comfortable, you know, taking to the job site? Whether, you know, be, you know, screwdrivers, tool bags, um, vests, pants, I don't know. And my my boss we when we started our first rough in two uh-huh. years ago like like a year and a half ago, my boss went to the store and bought me and the other apprentice at the time. They bought us these little like uh those home depot magnetic uh pouches so we could put staples in there. I can't remember the exact brand name, but he put he bought those for us so that we could put staples and actually like keep some wire nuts on us and we can start roughing in this house. Uh, I still have that pouch, and it's it's something that it's not precious. But if if it were to walk away, like I've got a set of bags that I have spent days and weeks wearing, and I'm so much more attached to it than that little clip-on belt, like a belt clip-on pouch. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, is is like the belt or or, or or the bag the best thing for you as far as like the way you work? Um, for me, okay. I have found I have found that. Uh, pouches, so bags that hang off of your waist, are the the best way for me to work. Depending on the environment, if it's if it's construction or if I'm outside and I don't have to bang around inside of a customer's house, I have these thirty pound bags on. They have screws, staples, wire nuts, every single hand tool you can imagine stuffed into these things. I'm like a walking toolbox, <laughs> and I I I have found that that is the best way for me to work because it's all right there and i have that muscle memory built into like where all my tools are i just reach down and i can grab whatever i'm finding whatever i'm looking for and it's just there no rooting around digging through an apron to find the 17 screws that are in this with the 20 staples and had to sort through it all but so so is that the only thing you you've uh, used up to this point or have you had other like like bags or systems or or totes to carry around that you've tried up to this point that's like you know ending up in your tool arsenal now of the 20 inch uh milwaukee pack out tote the the open top one that has the handle i used that for a while i used that when i was semi rolling around in a journeyman's truck i had all my stuff tucked into there I have all the pa- I have a bunch of pack out stuff that like keeps my tools in my truck because my truck's a little frontier and it doesn't it can't hold everything I needed to so I have to like get boxes to put my tools in and then I put my belt and my boxes and the boxes go in the back of my truck. Um, so it just kind of depends on the situation. Like if I know I'm going to be sitting in one room for hours, I'll load up my tool bag because I don't need it to be on me. I'll just set that bag next to me. But if I'm gonna be moving around, running around, climbing up in the attic, doing all this other stuff, pouches 100%. So I have all my tools. Don't have to look around for them; they're just there on me. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to ask that because, like, when I'm looking around through all my stuff here, um, it's like I have so many bags and cases and compartments and boxes and crates, and uh, it gets to be like um, overwhelming sometimes because it's like. Um, if I take too many things out of the house to carry stuff around, then I've got like my stuff just all over the place, even though it's contained, but it's like I can't find anything. So it's always that um I, I guess like, you know, me trying to find stuff that um that uh, um I've got like sitting in two or three different places. And not knowing, you know, where it is. Um only because I'm like just spread so thin with so many things. And um I think that at some point I do need to get to a point where I need to like kind of consolidate some of this stuff down. 
Well, Z can kind of agree with me that like you have to have a go bag. Like your go yep. bag is the thing you grab when it's go- it's going to have tools you need 90% of the time for any of the jobs that you do regularly. Right. And so like, yeah, absolutely. So I I did a many many years of just service work, book two traveler stuff. So I had a set of tools that would stay at home for all the local stuff that I would do. And then I had a set of tools that would go with me. They'd either go on the plane with me or I'd ship them beforehand. And inside each one is going to have, you know, 10 things that I would use fairly regularly. Um, but also whatever I had on me. So like I would always have a Leatherman wave on me and that would be something that I would just have with me. So organization is key and that's a whole other discussion, but having a a dedicated go bag of 10 or 11 things that can fit into a 12 or a 14 inch canvas zippered pouch or something similar like that, or an actual tiny bag is helpful. It's encouraged by me anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because like, like I, I kind of raise that because even like, um, I know like a lot of times, you know, we'll buy extra stuff that we really didn't need, but so it was like almost more convenient uh, to go to the store locally than it was to go back home. It's, especially if we're talking about tool pouches and bags also, like if you had to, if you were just like out and about and all of a sudden you had to uh, um, stop what you're doing to go do an electrical job, you know, do you drive 20 miles home or do you just go to Home Depot and get $8, you know, tool bag? I keep I, all my tools on me all the time. Okay. Yeah, like, it doesn't really matter where I go. Mm-hmm. Like, if my truck were to break down, like, on the side of the road when I'm going on vacation, I've got the tools in there to get it going again. I just don't leave without my tools. Mm-hmm. And so if I, I'll Go ahead. I was going to say, it's like my tools go with me for the most mm-hmm. part, either ahead of time in, like, a UPS box <laughs> on the way to the job, <laughs> yeah. or... Uh, or they roll with me in the car and it's usually going to be in like a Pelican case, a hard case or, um, I, cause I'm not really into that whole pack out thing, but, um, yeah, they, I also have like an actual like tool backpack, not like a veto, it's a Swiss gear something or other. And that is my roll bag. And then I also have the other accoutrements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, as a service guy, like you, you, you can't be caught with your pants down and be like, oh, I left this thing at the shop. Like, that's just not an acceptable thing that I've experienced as a service guy. Mm-hmm. You have to be will- able to shift gears and go from sixth gear to reverse in an instant. Like, you yeah. have to just have that ability. So you have to keep all of your stuff on your work vehicle at the least. Mm-hmm. Like, barring, like, equipment. Like, you know, if you don't have a skid steer, like, you can't keep a skid steer on the truck. We're not landscapers. We're electricians. <laughs> That'd be something, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because, like, there used to be a show on TV back in the 80s called The A-Team. And they used to always build all kinds of stuff, you know, no matter what that was going on. And it seems like they had every piece of equipment in the, in the back of that van. They had blowtorches. They had all kinds of grinders and saws and... You, you you name it, they had it. They they could take any car and build it into an army tank within within minutes. 
So I just I just had a good question from uh, Ryan Woods in the chat. Yep. He said, "Should you keep a backup tool, even if it's cheap, on you at all times?" Absolutely. So by all times, do you mean like just have it on the truck? Because like I think you should have a backup for the stuff for the stuff that you just can't do without. So like my for me instance, like my Kleins, my flat blade, and they keep an impact on me pretty much at all times. I have a spare set of Kleins in my truck. I have an I have an M eighteen impact on my truck, and I keep a couple flats. I have a multi bit screwdriver, even though I hate them. I have one in the truck for in case something happens and I've lost my tool. I have whatever bit I need to get my job done right then. It is not my go-to. It is just there for emergencies. I've got a pretty decent set of corded power tools for if something happens to my uh, uh, cordless tools. Yeah, and I was going to say, it's like, for me, it'd be like losing a Leatherman. I have like three or four of them at home. Um, I would just go home and get it. If I'm in another city, which was frequently, I would buy one while I'm there if I lost it or somebody absconded with it. Mm. Um but I almost always, in the tools that traveled with me, made sure that I would have uh, cheaper backups or the option to get them ready and available right away. Now, I'm going to clarify something real quick. Like As an apprentice, you're not expected to keep backups of your tools because for the most part, you really can't afford it. And just getting your first set of like power tools, hand tools, bags, pouches... That's a that's an investment that can total up real quick to about a grand. Like no one's gonna if you're like a six month apprentice or like even a year apprentice, no one's gonna fault you for like, oh hey, I left my client somewhere, I have to go buy new ones. Because you don't have, no one's gonna give you a hard time because you you don't have backups yet. Like it's just something that comes with time. Yeah, but I think you could still have a backup of cheap things like a screwdriver. I mean a pack of Stanley screwdrivers is like what, six, seven dollars maybe? Well, I think somewhere around know, there. Yeah, I think it's better to have like as a backup. I'm not a fan of multi bits. Uh, Ratchet, like I said earlier, I destroy them. But I have one on me, so if I lose any one of my screwdrivers, because I have a bunch of fixed blade, I keep a uh, demo flathead, a quarter inch flathead, then I keep an insulated flathead on me at all times, mm-hmm. and then I have a Phillips and a like a seven in one nut driver. Uh, I keep all those on me on my bags. But if I lose one of those. I have the multi-bit screwdriver to keep me going, so I'm not just dead in the water. Not, and he had a follow-up in there about uh, it would be nice to have an extra tool on you, even if it's cheap. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I ran cruise, I would almost always have a, a spare kit, basically, a, a loadout, because everybody was carrying about the same thing, and the extra kit was basically... A home gamer special so whatever the house brand was of just the cheap versions of the more expensive tools just in case the job site got robbed absolutely on the topic, on the topic of like you know what everyone else is using let's talk about power tools and power tool brands all right okay i have i have an opinion on this i think you should take a look around before you go researching before you go trying to figure out what's the best brand because it's hilti but just let's just Get that okay. out there. It's mm-hmm. LD. Like, sorry. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> before you go and trying to go through the data sheets of DeWalt versus Rigid versus Milwaukee, you need to like look around you and see what the people around you are using. Because in my opinion, it's it's better 
to go out and let's say you, your journeyman runs to wall and like all the guys at your site run to wall. If you go out and you go by the Milwaukee tools because, oh, everyone on electrician, you said that the, the Milwaukee is the best. Well, what happens when you can, when the one battery you could afford dies and you're just dead in the water? Like you just got to wait for it to charge. You got you're pushing a broom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you got I, I, I got to disagree with you on that because I'm thinking that if I buy something that, that nobody else has, that at least nobody's borrowing my batteries or, you know, and, and my stuff's not getting stolen, you know? Well, and, and so that, that's a fair, that's a fair um, point to someone who's, you know, you've been in the industry for 20 plus years and right. you've kind of been around, gone around. But for us apprentices, we're like, you know, you can't, you can't afford to buy the second battery because that toolkit like just about cost you lunch for a week, right? Yeah, but I mean that's why I get like you know Black and Decker or Ryobi, you know. Yeah, and that's one thing too is you also don't have to have the cat's ass of tools right away either. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've said this you know a couple of times, but uh, my neighbor was a master elevator mechanic, and all the tools he used were for power tools were Ryobi. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not because it was his preferred brand, but because it worked. And at the end of the day, he has journeyman or, you know, fourth level or under people working with him. And at the end of the job, it, whether it's a day or a week or however long, they get a tool and it's not that expensive for him to replace it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, it, it seems kind of backwards. It seems like the master should have like the top of the line tools. Why? Why? Why wouldn't he have that? Because he's well, not working anymore. Yeah, that's, he's not. That's the thing. Okay, so like just drilling a couple holes, you figure, huh? Yeah, you know, he's coming behind his journeyman. Like, let's say his journeyman missed a you know hole in the stud, mm-hmm. and he comes back and he's like, "Hey, you missed this hole. I got it." You know, he uses his Ryobi drill, puts the one hole in the stud, runs the wire through it, and it's like, boom, it's done. Versus where you have. You know, your guys, I have to know that my drill is going to run every time I pull the trigger, right? Like that is just, that has to happen. I can't have it. Oh, it got too hot. Now it's, it's bitching out and won't go anymore. Like I have to know every time I pull the trigger, barring the battery dead, it goes until I tell us to stop. That is most important to me in a tool. Yeah, that, that, that makes that makes sense what you're saying, because I think that, I mean, maybe I've just gotten too comfortable or too complacent. In, in, in an area where, let's say, if, if if something bad happens to one of my tools, I'm not really worried about it because nobody's going to be breathing down my neck to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, me and BDL are kind of in the same situation where if it if it gets cooked or it's hooped or however you want to phrase it, I can just postpone and go get the newer version of whatever tool I just smoked or my apprentice smoked or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a vendor decided to borrow and uh, <laughs> used and abused it and put it away wet and uh, it just <laughs> turned into a pile of mush. I mean, that's mm-hmm. happened too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then so for the, those of us who, you know, we're the, we're the guys who actually produce and we actually get the jobs done, right? We, we can't have our tools just bitch out mid-job because it's, oh, I'm, a, I'm done. I have to, I'm in a time, I'm always, you know, I'm always got a timer going, which is I have to have this done by X time, right? Yeah. So, and, if, and if I have to spend an hour or two hours going to, going to the store, picking up a new tool, 
that's just that's just an hour I'm never going to get back of the day, and that pushes everything back. Because you know that could have been I could have finished the job in an hour, but now I got to come back tomorrow, which pushes tomorrow's jobs back. And it's just it's not that bad usually, but it's that cascading effect of like, oh, my tool died, I had to leave, and now I'm behind on this because of my Ryobi drill shit the bed, and I got to go buy another one because it's gonna I couldn't afford to get the Milwaukee, the Dewalt, the Rigid, the whatever. Yeah, and that leads me into the whole buy once, cry once mentality that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. There wasn't always a time where that was an option. Uh, You know, you start out making, I think at the time it was like $10.50 an hour as a helper. Um, You you can't just go out and get one. Get, you know, get the new uh, fuel M18, you know, Gen 3. Granted, that didn't exist back then. But I, I, I guess you can get it if you didn't have to buy gas and food and pay rent and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Right. Probably. That's kind of what happened to me is I was lucky enough that I started my career as an electrician and I had to move back into my parents and they weren't charging me rent because they, they knew that I was trying to start a new career, get on my feet, get, get back going again. So I was able to take a lot of that money I was making as a helper and I was just paying for gas to get to the jobs and back and, and food when I wanted to go out. I was able to and get that buy once, cry once. I was able to get the nice Milwaukee and the nice Klein, all the brand name tools, and they haven't failed me. I've had the same, almost the same set of tools since I started two years ago, and I didn't have to buy new tools because something broke. Wow. Yeah, and that's when now where I'm at now, I guess where I'm at now, I have a different point of view because now. I've done the crew lead thing. I've done the solo thing. I've done the traveling thing. Now I'm just a stationary guy. And now I don't have to use and abuse the tools in ways that they weren't originally designed and uh, going through them uh, once a year, or once every couple of years. But uh, I didn't get there. I didn't get here um, by getting the cheap thing because I'd be getting the cheap thing every couple months, you know, once a year. Now it's, you know, get the tool that you can most reasonably afford. Mm-hmm. Yep. Use it until it breaks, and then get the next best one, whatever that is for you. So, so the next best one, and so what are you saying? Like, was spend twenty dollars more than you did before, or, or, or yeah, whatever, it? yeah, whatever it is. I mean, like uh, Adam Savage on his tested thing, he he was talking about how he had like a manual riveter because right? he was working with sheets of aluminum making fake armor uh-huh and um he was using the manual riveter and he didn't get the automatic one you know the battery operated one until he was like 15 or 20 years already in the in the industry and he didn't realize like this would have been so much better had i just spent the extra money mm-hmm. the jump the jump from a manual one to an you know an automatic one was several hundred dollars mm-hmm so I'm going to so, rag on commercial electric real quick. Um, I had an apprentice, I had a helper when I was working at my old company. He had a pair of commercial electric linesman's pliers. And he didn't know the difference that like a six inch versus a nine inch clients makes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So we started roughing in how I started teaching him how to rough in houses. And I was like, dude, you got to get, I, I got, I'm going to get you a pair of clients. Like I, I can't, I can't watch you smack staples in with these like commercial electric pliers that weigh nothing right so i handed him my clines and i said here they're a little bit blown up like i've i've done dumb things with these 
but they'll get you started, right? I handed them my old clients. I went out and I got my Milwaukee seven and one clients that I absolutely love right now. And he was like, he, he, he was like the difference it made in being able to hit staples in and cut wires. Even they were an abused pair. It was, it was a massive jump. And the jump was like maybe fifteen twenty dollars from those commercial electrics to the Kleins, right? And the I difference see. was just massive. Mm-hmm. But even along those lines, okay, so like you know, thinking about this example of like you know going from the manual riveter to the power one, if you know if he would have started out with the power riveter, you know, buy one cry once, but would he have really had the same appreciation for the uh, power riveter versus having the, the man, you know, versus if he would have like started with that, you know, as I think about like when I'm bringing new guys on, um, you know, it's like, I never really want to put power tools in their hand right away. I want to see that if you can, like, you know, I, I want them to, you know, be able to feel what the screw is doing. Um, I believe in boot camp. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I believe in the boot camp as well. So for those of you listening, boot camp is uh, basically you get your uh, your journeyman hands you a pair of clines and a, and, a, and a flathead screwdriver and says, "All right, this is what you get for two months for about a month." Oh wow! And and you just you make your job work with those two tools because that is like when you strip everything away, all the fancy tools, a knife, a cline, pair of clines, and a and a flathead will get you through almost all of your job. I mean, they didn't even let you like have a corded drill, at least. Nope, nope. He said you get a flathead screwdriver. Uh, he said I got a, I got a Phillips and a flathead. He said you can use these two things to do all of it. So he said if you're gonna put outlets in, you have to know how tight they are by hand before you can just get a battery operated thing and run the screw through the box. Right. Or so you snap did- the head off like he and I, I, I ran only those things for like a month or two, and he's like, okay, well here's an impact. Here's how you use the impact to put screws in. And it took me another couple months to get used to like being able to just muscle memory, pull the trigger and that, that screw set gone. Yeah. So, so do you think that just made you appreciate it that much more that you didn't start out on the power tools or it made me appreciate the tool, but also it let me like when I have to go under a house or in an attic and I don't want to carry a drill with me, I can still get my job done reasonably fast because right. I had that prior training. I see. So you're just not handicapped by it. Yes. I was going to say, it's like I have a anecdote where my apprentice at the time was f- full of themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was just like, all right, here you go. I gave them all of the automatic magic tools. And, uh, and I just basically said, I'm going to borrow two tools off of this tool cart and we're going to race. I'm going to give you a 10 minute head start. That's just like an infomercial. Yeah, I'm going to give you a ten. You know, I'm going to give you a ten foot head start uh, and a ten minute head start. And uh, anytime I need to grab a tool off of the tool cart, um, I'm going to buy you lunch. And uh, he didn't believe that I was going to be able to do it, um, mm-hmm. but I smoked him. <laughs> I smoked him. <laughs> and uh, and he was just like, "All right, all right." And I'm just like, "I'm still going to buy you lunch." Like, <laughs> Man, that like, reminds me. That reminds me of a story. So back when I first started in in the trades, I was like 22 and my boss, he was pushing his in the sixties and I would see this guy. He would work absolute circles around me. And I was out here busting my ass, trying to like get everything done as best and quickly as I could. And he was just out working me and he was just, he was just chilling and it used to piss me off. 
Because, like, you know, you see the guy, he's not, he doesn't even look like he's working very hard, but he's getting more done than you got done in 30 minutes, but, like, fourfold. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, he, he, he carries a little, I carry my big old, like, 30-pound set of bags. He carries a little, like, two-pocket Husky bag that he bought at Home Depot on a whim and an apron. Mm-hmm. Right. And is just as efficient as I am now. I, I swear wow. by the apron. <laughs> I don't. Nope. I, you won't catch me dead wearing one of those things. All right. All right. So along along those lines, because it, it kind of brings up another point, like um, you know, how much influence does like let's say a mentor or somebody else you're working with have on you know how you do your own particular setup? Because like some people like pockets, some people like bags, some people like aprons, some people like to keep their stuff in the vest. I like to keep my stuff in my back pocket. I mean, you know, do you, you think like like who you work under, the people who teach you, or like the people that you apprentice under? You know, did they have any kind of like like any type of uh, influence on that? I would say yes. That it's a huge, huge influence on you because, like, whether you realize it or not, the people you work around with, they they give you a base to start because you see how their stuff set up, and you want to like, okay, well, they're this good at they're they're good at their job, so I'm going to mimic how their setup is, mm-hmm. and then you realize, oh, I absolutely hate how everything about this is, but I like this one thing. So mm-hmm. you know, you take that one thing you like from their setup and it becomes yours and then you work with if you work with multiple people you see how their setups are you kind of pick and pull from all the things you like from how they run their stuff and Mm. eventually you have like your own unique flavor on the same setup as the five or six guys you've worked with around you and to piggyback off of that i've worked with other trades and i've stolen you know the methodologies and applied them as an electrician from other trades. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I've worked with guys, uh, a couple of journeymen where they like to have, uh, all their, all their screws and fasteners in like little pill bottles. Right. So like the, the little bottles that come in and they like to keep all those just kind of stacked in their truck in a precarious situation. So as soon as you open the tailgate, you got this landslide of fasteners and screws coming down. Versus I have found that I like my fasteners, like my tap cons and my nails and screws, like the stuff I don't need on me every day. I keep them in, in uh, hardware cases and I have five or six hardware cases that if I need something, I know which hardware case it's in. So I grab it, boom, it's there. I can just grab the stack of hardware cases. It's got everything I'm ever going to need versus having little pill bottles around. Yeah. So, but, but even at that, okay. So, um, but like, okay, so you got your guy with all the pill bottles, and then you got you with your organizers, and you got somebody else with some other system. Um, so like, you know, let's say you got like, you know, five guys they go work on the same site. Uh, say you got some five veterans that you got five veterans go work on the same site to do the exact same thing, um, but they're all doing something different. I mean, how, how do you explain that? You know, how do you, how do you get the right outcome? You know, if, if everybody kind of has their own little different setup, but yet they're all you know kind of doing the same task. So it's like it comes back down to the aprons versus the bags, right? So Z swears by the aprons. I hate the absolute existence of these things, Mm -hmm. right? For me, when I when I set my bags up, everything has a place and nothing gets mixed around. So I have drywall screws in one bag, in one pocket. I have my orange blues in one bag. I have my red yellows in another, and have my stables in the other. So when I reach into that respective pouch. It's just it's it's what I need. It's the screw. It's the it's the cap. It's the staple. It's just right there. What I need. I don't have to go upend my apron on a table and like search around for the one screw I need and put everything back in and screw, do the one screw. I just reach in, grab and screw. Mm-hmm. 
and my my school of thought is use what works for the you know your biomechanics or the ergonomics of how you operate um, okay roteg hinted at it earlier with his muscle memory mm-hmm. and you know where he has things laid out and you know, you know you do this long enough you figure out your favorite way to do something what whatever works f- good for you nobody here Nobody here in this, you know, down in the audience or here up here speaking is going to hold a screwdriver the same damn way. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yep. Like, I don't, I don't turn my wrist. Like, you know, I'm putting, a, I'm putting a cover plate on. I can just, you know, smack a cover plate on. I don't turn my wrist. I just use my fingers in like a uh, rolling motion. Yep. And that's how I do my screw for my cover plates. Oh, I see. So you hold the front screwdriver and the back of the screwdriver so you have that continuous spin. Yeah, I have saw my palm on the end of the screwdriver. Right? Okay, and then I just like so like you're uh, rolling something between your thumb and all your four fingers. Mm-hmm. That's how I. That's how I do it. It's just how I screw stuff in. It's not the right way. It's not the wrong way. It's it's the rotag way. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because you know that, that's true. Because I even see like even like people are drilling. You know, some people hold their drill upright, and some people like to turn the drill to the side, like they're you know in 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 a, in a rap video or something. You know, I, and I've even seen people hold that thing upside down and pull the trigger with their pinky. Yes, yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that that threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. One thing, as like an apprentice, when when you're shopping around trying to figure out how to how like you you've bought all your hand tools and you're trying to figure out how to keep them on you, keep them in a bag. The best way, in my opinion, is you go to Home Depot, you go to Lowe's. And you buy the cheapest thing that you can find that looks like it might work for what you want to do. You buy it, and you get buyer's remorse immediately within the first like two weeks of buying the whatever the bag, the pouches. You learn what you hate about it, and when you can afford to get the a, a different bag, you have a baseline of where to go of like what you like and what you dislike about things. And then you can eventually hand it down to somebody else and let them suffer a little while. Yes. Oh, for sure. like uh there was i have i went through a phase a couple months ago where i was i was looking for the ideal like setup for me and i was buying i couldn't buy the bag i wanted just by myself by itself from a husky so i had to buy this framers kit that had like three bags because i wanted the hammer loop and one of the bags so i had Mm -hmm. to buy this other bag and suspenders and so when i started when i got that apprentice to teach him rough ins he didn't have the right setup for uh, roughing in. So I was like, here, here's a bunch of shit I didn't want. You make this work. And then within days, he's like, I hate this, but it's better than my current, my, what I had before. And about a week later, he went and bought the Klein uh, electrician's uh, belts and bags. And he, he's been using that ever since when I understand. Wow. I mean, I wasn't using the bags, so I just, I just like, here, take them. I don't, I don't want them to sit in my truck. They're tools that need to be used. Mm-hmm. I see. So, so I guess for the most part, I guess we could say that, like when we're um, being uh, mentored by somebody, we almost do things like apples for apples, or basically take what they give us until we grow and have the authority to kind of make our own decisions. Or, or, or does it, is it a little bit different than that? Uh, little column ahead, A, see. little column B. I mean, okay. I I grew up, you know, surrounded by grumpy old men. and it was their way or the highway until you figured out whatever worked for you 
in the way that made them, I guess, look old, you know, right. like, so the way I do things is going to be completely different than, you know, the previous journeyman I've studied under. One, and, one thing I'll say ahead. is, uh, if you're right-handed, don't take habits from left-handed people. Mm, okay. That that destroys every. Okay, so for my personal example, if I'm just going on a service call, like a trouble call, a sh- troubleshooting call, right? Mm-hmm. I need my impact, my flathead, and my clines. Well, I keep my wallet in my right my right hand back pocket, and then I keep my clines and my flathead in my left hand back pocket. I am right hand dominant, right? So if I have to grab my tools, I have to go to the left, pass them to my right. And then I can work. Or if I'm having a holes in lift, I have to cross my arm all the way behind my back to grab my tools. I have never been able to break that habit. <laughs> well, I, t- I, I tell you, the, the, the bad habit I have is just so I don't do that, I'll put both. I'll, I'll put a screwdriver in each pocket left and right. It's T-strippers in each pocket left and right. So whichever way I decide to reach, uh, um, I'll have what I need, except for the fact that all the same tools end up on the wrong side. <laughs> wind up with the T-strippers in the left ass cheek and the two screwdrivers in the right one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's never where it is when I need it, you know. Uh, I was going to say, it's like I, a couple of the journeys I study under gave me some really bad habits when it comes to tools. You know, those those linesman pliers are hammers. <laughs> that habit, that's a standard like, that's just that's just that's just <laughs> a chisel yeah and then uh, and then uh, and then that scratch all that they make you get is a toothpick right <laughs> i think one other bad habit that i i have is i i whenever i put my screwdriver in my back pocket i put the handle in the pocket and not the blade mm-hmm. so if i were to fall i'm getting my kidney punctured Ooh, yeah via my screwdriver but it's such an ingrained, just like I take it, flip it. I'm good. I, I just can't not have it like that. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you, I was going to say you feel naked if it's the other way. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Like today I forgot my, I forgot my fastback at my house and I was like, Oh crap. I'm 30 minutes out from my house. I'm on my fastback. And it was weird. Cause I have one in my tool bags. So I have mm-hmm. two on me if I have my pouches on, but it just felt weird not having it in my pocket where it goes. Right. And so I guess circling back around to the topic at hand, has have either of you guys walked away from a job site or a job or a side job or found something <laughs> in one way or another that you just kind of kept in your hoard? So oh, I yeah. haven't found tools. I have found I found a mummy of a squirrel once. Ugh. You, didn't, and- you didn't take that home with you? Oh, hell no. I didn't take that home with me. I, it was like six o'clock in the morning. I was crawling up in an attic and I went to go over this like uh, AC duct and my foot knocked something over. And I was like, huh? And I look behind me and the only light in here is my headlamp. And I look over next to me and I just see the face, the mummified face of a squirrel with its mouth open, just like eight inches away from my face. And I about came through the ceiling. Wow. What about yeah, you? I- I, I'd say that I, I, I've obtained a few tools uh, through clients that I've worked for and even like, you know, companies, uh, companies I've worked for where, like, say, like, I go do a service call and I end up needing like a pair of T-strippers or let's say um, a crimper of some sort. And they say, OK, well, go buy it on a company credit card. And then after that, you know, it's really nobody to give it back to. Uh, so I keep it. Oh, I have a bunch of Diablo 
uh, auger bits that like my journeyman, my old journeyman, my old company, he would buy those every week because mm-hmm. as soon as that screw tip would dull, he'd yep. be like, nope, it's trash. And he'd just toss it. So I have like four or five of those. Yeah. That I, I guess like stole from my old company because he was just going to toss them. Like, no, those are perfectly fine. Give me those right now. Mm-hmm. And then also, it's like when I do a lot of security stuff like cameras and access control, a lot of these uh, equipment boxes come with a set of tools. They come with like with a, a cheap nut driver and a <laughs> star point. So I've got like, you know, multiple like mini- miniature screwdrivers and, you know, miniature uh, um, star point bits. I, I just bought a, a bottle of tan ideal wire nuts. Mm-hmm. And I was reaching my hand down in there and I felt uh, an object that wasn't a wire nut. So I look in there and it's this pair of wire strippers. Yeah. To like shove into the bottle of wire nuts. That <laughs> you can't get out of the bottle. I'll take a picture of it here in a little bit. <laughs> you can't get out of the bottle until you use all the wire nuts. Oh, it's like eating cereal because you can't get the prize so all the cereal's gone. But at least in the cereal, yeah, it's exactly it's like, like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those x-ray goggles at the back, you know, at the bottom of the cereal box. Right. And and it's it, it, it's the ideal brand of the stripper of the Klein strippers that I was ragging on earlier. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I'm never, ever, ever in a million years going to use these. <laughs> but well, like here's, you can pay it forward to somebody with those or uh, just it, be a right bastard. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Most definitely. So as we wrap up for this evening, uh, what are your takeaways as we talk about building your arsenal of tools? It's a, it's a process. Like you can't just, I mean, some people can just go out and drop five, six grand on tools, but man, I, I don't recommend that. Like go in and get a pair of clines and a flathead and don't, don't worry about buying the best as your first set of tools. Cause you're not, you're going to destroy them. Like you're going to cut a live wire and you're going to blow them the fuck up. Like we, we've all been there, done that. Anyone who says they hasn't a fucking liar and I'll fight them. <laughs> I was going to say I agree with uh, what Rotag said there. Just get the things that you can most reasonably afford when you can afford them. And carry it on. Like, just keep going progressively. Because eventually you'll be, you know, like a fifth-year apprentice, you know, fifth-year apprentice or maybe a ten-year apprentice and uh, wind up needing newer, nicer things. I, You know, I didn't start out with an SDS Max, I had to get there. Yeah, it's, you just gotta, you know. I think one of our one of our Discord members said it. Uh, he said, "Every paycheck or like when you can afford it, you need to buy yourself something you need." Because mm-hmm. there, for a long time, for the first, I'd say probably two two and a half years, you're always gonna need a tool. You know, it could be a power tool, it could be a hand tool, it could be a, an eclectic tool that you may think you need, you're never gonna use again, but. Like just get yourself something. Like make it make it a reward. Like yeah, I busted my ass. I deserve to get a tool when you can afford it. Mm-hmm. Yep. My takeaway is that um, if you do any type of industrious work with your hands, whether it be on the car, on a friend's house, doing drywall, woodworking, you or do it yourselfer, you're always going to have more tools than you can shake a stick at. You have more tools than you have places for them. And um, it's almost like one of those things where you never know what to get rid of. Like a lot of people say to declutter your life. A lot of experts say if you haven't used it in over a year or two, it's time to get rid of it. But I think many can attest to the fact that as soon as I get rid of it, 
I'm going to need it. I'm going to say, man, I should not have thrown that away or I should not have given it away. Um, but, but my takeaway from all this is that tools are going to find you if you don't go finding tools. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, we all have those tools that we bought and used once mm-hmm. and yep. forgot about them. Every exactly. single person. Exactly. <laughs> my Klein strippers. <laughs> <laughs> We've come full circle. We've yeah. come completely full circle. Yep. Yep. So um, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us for this podcast. And um, we'd like to invite you to always participate on all of our forums and all of our platforms, where everywhere that social media is. So wherever you are, we are. Um, everything we were speaking about on this uh, podcast this evening was on our Discord server. And it is the U Crew uh, from Electrician U. And go to electricianu.com for more information. Thank you.